Uh, hello, everybody. This is Shane Douglas Keen, um, and I'm here with my cohorts, Laurel Hightower and Rich Duncan. Um, and uh, tonight we are talking to Haley Piper, the author of The Possession of Natalie Glasgow, um, Benny Rose, the, the Cannibal King, um, and the most recent one from Off Limits Press. Uh, God damn it. The Worm and His Kings. Sorry. It's like I'm only holding that book right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll talk about Off Limits a little bit later, too, because they're awesome. But, uh, Haley, would you uh, give us a brief introduction for anybody who hasn't doesn't know about you? I think pretty much all 50 of our listeners have. But. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure. Um, my name is Haley Piper. I write horror and dark fantasy and weird fiction. Um, I have the books out that Shane mentioned and a lot of short stories. Um, I'm at www.haleypiper.com and at Haley Piper says on Twitter and at Haley Piper fights on Instagram. And um, I'm going to keep writing weird stuff. So I think I don't know. You introduced the books. So I'm like, oh, is that's all of my personality. <laughs> <laughs> I totally feel that. <laughs> well, you just blew my whole introduction there, buddy. What the hell do I think? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm... <laughs> yeah, off limits, though. Um, what was it? It's almost a year ago, maybe a little over a year ago, that I read Samantha Kolyesnik's True Crime. You know, and then shortly she's publishing, she's editing an anthology for Grindhouse, and then shortly she's got her own house, and she uh, picks up Laurel's Crossroads, which is a fucking phenomenon, as it should be. Um, and then she turns right around and grabs the worm and his kings, and that is also fucking phenomenal. Um, yes. I'm, and I mean that sincerely. It's just a mind blower. So good on you and good on Off Limits. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Off Limits is fantastic. Sam is Sam is wonderful. Definitely. We've we've both done a lot of gushing this year, but it's all completely <laughs> deserved. Yeah. I'm not done yet. <laughs> Me either, really. Neither am I. <laughs> Yeah, and sort of, uh, sort of on that point, Haley. Um, you know, kind of, if you wouldn't mind, uh, just telling us a little bit about how you, uh, how you met Sam and how the Worm and His Kings uh, ended up on uh, Off Limits. Uh, let's see. Well, it's funny because uh, last time I was on Ink Heist, I think I was just about to start reading True Crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then the anthology call went out for Worst Laid Plans. Um. And I, you know, I submitted to it. My story was accepted and we started working together Um, because of I had I was around then I was getting starting to get finished up with the worm and his kings. I I finished it about in April and I wasn't sure I was doing with it yet. Um, Around that time, I had to withdraw a, you know, another novel from a different uh, publisher. There was a lot of stuff going on. and so I was kind of in a place where I was like, I don't want to send this to somebody I don't I haven't worked with before that or haven't you know had vouched for. And you know, so we worked on the short story. He's like, well, Sam, Sam seems good, so let's do it. And um, 
So it was accepted in June. We announced it in July and just um, everything with Sam has been amazing since then. So it was really just call, you know, submit, accept, you know, kind of a very straightforward, but um, I've been working together on this stuff for different things for most of the year, really. Now that I think about it. Yeah, that's, and that's, and that's awesome. Um, like you said, to be able to, place it with someone that you've worked with before and that you trust. And, um, you know, like Shane had said earlier, you know, so far, you know, having your book and Laurel's come out, um, both of those were excellent. So it's pretty exciting to kind of see, um, you know, what she's been doing with Off Limits Press. Yeah. Plus then I got to claim Haley as my pub family. So we're we're pub sisters now. We're, we're the Off Limits Pub Sisters and we'll be glad to have Tim on board as well. I'm excited to read his book. Um, so I, I mean, I would love, you know, how I always love to delve into process and everything on this because so I, I'm, you know, I told you I was able to finish today. I had to kick everyone out of the house because like it is so hard to read and concentrate when you're having to watch cartoons and, you know, dogs (laughs) are stealing salami and things like that. But, um, (laughs) I of course want to avoid any remote possibility of spoilers, but I, this this book and you know how I do this I fangirl but I I have no regrets um this there is so so much to this there is so much that delves well beyond cosmic that I've seen before um and I I know that you had mentioned I think that this was one that had started out maybe as a short story and then and then a novel and then shrunk back down so do you want to talk some about the process and and how this kind of um you know directed itself sure um yeah it was it had a very strange genesis because um i i started putting together the the lore and mythos of it first which is not usually how i approach these things um and so my initial inclination was to write a book and then i was like well i'm not sure if there's how to work with that so then i was like let me do a short story that didn't work out because the characters were not right for how to approach this. So that was really the big stumbling block was like, okay, it's not what I want to tell the story about. It's who, who do I want to lead the reader into this? And um, I was working on a different short story, like completely unrelated. And that character kind of started to spawn off into Monique a little bit. Um and once I had her in mind, then it was like, okay, this is where I want to go with this. This is how to get where I want to go with these things. And of course, you know, once you're, once you have a character that you're invested in, they, they kind of take over the story a little bit too. Um, but even, even then, um, this is, I can definitely say this is the most challenging book for me to have written. Um, I, my first attempt at going through it was trying was was trying too much to ape the structure of the short story and just kind of stretch it out a bit. And um, that that led to interesting conversations with Jay, my, my wife, Jay, because she um, she kind of was looking at stuff and it's like, mm, mm, not really feeling it. And it's like, OK, I need to go back. And so, like, I'd already done so much back and forth with this book and um I, I, the, the, the mythos was solid. Monique was solid. I just kind of need to figure out how to make everything function together. 
and it just, it took a lot of going back and forth. Like it took, um, I think I worked on this for five months before um, I finally felt like it was okay. And that was pretty much working on nothing else but this. Like I wrote the worst laid plan story and like one other story, but like I usually write a lot more short stories in a period of time, even if I'm working on a book and that just wasn't the case here. Like it needed my full attention. And that was while the pandemic was getting started. Um, so yeah. Um, but once it got, once, once I started introducing certain elements, uh, characters like Corrine and Lady really helped things along. Um, that was, that was really, I think the big struggle was just trying to figure out how to get point A, point B, point C, um, while still, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it. Um, while making sure that something interesting was happening every chapter, something new was being learned about either Monique or the mythos or, you know, moving ahead, I, I did not want it to get bogged down. Um, and that was probably the hardest part because, you know, if you're slinking along tunnels and, and you know, hallways a lot and stuff, it's a very stealth oriented book. Um, you know, there can be a lot of chance for isolation where not much happens. And I did, didn't want the book to get mired in that. Um, yeah, no, no worries there, sister. Uh, <laughs> seriously, it's, uh, um, your hard work paid off really in spades. I mean, the, the pacing is perfect. There's, n- there's not a single second in that book that anybody's going to go, well, this is kind of slow because, <laughs> cause it just doesn't exist in there, you know? <laughs> yeah. I agree. Go ahead, Laurel. I was just going to say, I I love the novella for that. I I think that this was, I just think it's so interesting because I I know you had mentioned that before. And and I think that this just really does hit the sweet spot of telling the story, letting you get into the characters, um, you know, and being able to develop the mythos on it. So, yeah, it's, do you, do you kind of feel like that is something that you would have been able to nail down earlier in your career do you feel like this is like a skill set that you've kind of developed for it I think it's a skill set that beat itself into me over the course (laughs) of this book I don't think I had that previous to starting and I did by the end of it because it it forced me to um and at this point that's definitely helped me with other projects um I uh, you know the novel that I that's going to be coming out from Rooster Republic um, next year it helped me with that it's helping me with the project that I'm working on right now um, so it's it's you know sometimes doing something that you it, that's where the project really seems to hate you is because it's trying to teach you something yeah, yeah. that's interesting um, and in a way you can kind of see that like with um, Monique she is not that you've ever created a character that I didn't believe or didn't um, wasn't emotionally attached to because everyone you've done has been to some degree, but she is about the most real character you've written for, for me as far as relating to a character. Mm-hmm. I mean, just simple things like her reactions to things where another author might jump right to the oh, you know, cosmic horror, you know, where you could, you, the character 
basically knows, okay, this is something beyond this realm. And Monique goes, worms? You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and who yeah. the fuck wouldn't, you know? <laughs> so um, I would really love to hear more, more about her evolution and yours. Um, it's It's funny. She, I can't say that she completely came fully formed, but like by the time I finished with the second chapter of the first draft, I really knew who I was working with. Um, It's, it's, um, I think it was important to make it, make it clear that her, she doesn't care about the cosmic stuff. Like when she's getting into, even as it's being introduced for her, she's just very like Donna, Donna, Donna. I'm trying to find Donna. I'm trying to help Donna. Um, and like, as Corrine points out to her pretty early, it's just like, you're used to kind of just rolling with stuff. It's like, well, you kind of have to be to survive the stuff that she's been through. You kind of have to just like be able to, to be a stone being tossed by water as opposed to being like a clump of sand that gets washed away by it. Um, so she, she, um, you know, her, her her goals are different than the other characters' goals. Um, and I think that's what really helps her continue going through it. Because if she stopped and was like, oh, there is all this cosmic stuff. Like, she's unnerved by it, of course. And it's like, you know, when there's a 12-foot monster coming into the tunnel, like, she's obviously, you know, she's, of course, scared. <laughs> she's scared by the, the empty place and stuff. But, yeah. you know, she's so focused on what she cares about that she's... You know, it's just like, okay, well, that happened. I'm going to keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's, um, I'm, I'm also pretty scared by the empty place, so I don't blame her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Go ahead, Rick. No, I was just going to say I agree with you about the empty place, but, um, you know, like Shane said, uh, you know, I love the character of Monique and also I kind of liked how you, like he had mentioned also um, how you kind of had Monique's focus be like her love for Donna. I don't know like what it is, but like stories that kind of have that um, element to them where like love's kind of like a driving force amidst like all this crazy stuff. Like I've always been a huge fan of that. And um I just really liked how you handled it. It's not really a question. I just uh, wanted to let you know. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. In which, so Haley comes to Ankheist and all we do is sit here and (laughs) just (laughs) praise her. You know, pure adulation from start to finish. Haley, we're your number one fan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I couldn't help it. I was like, I, I just had to tell her that. But um, I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I also um, I like uh, Laurel and I think Shane also touched on, you know, kind of the mythology that you uh, built for it. I thought it was a pretty unique um spin on cosmic horror and you know that's one of the things that i love the most about um some of the things that you have done like with this book and uh you know t-pong as the acronym that uh, i think laurel coined but it's kind of how you take like these things that you know we might be familiar with as readers but you always seem to put a very unique spin on it that kind of takes people by surprise and i was just kind of curious you know what inspired you 
um, when you created the mythology for the worm? Um, I think part of part of the mythology has, you know, it's what what um, how should I say appealed to me was um, kind of the idea of looking at the scope of Earth's past. Like one of the, I, I mean, I I like. Uh, there have been shows like Walking with Prehistoric Beasts, Walking with Dinosaurs, that kind of stuff. Um, and there's one that I can't remember the name of that goes back as far as possible. And I always like things like, wow, so, you know, there was life on Earth, but we didn't even develop eyes until this point or, you know, this stuff or come on land. And there's just all the little pieces that change. And it's just like, you know, humans have only been around for this teensy little part of that and it's just like this the idea that there could be so much more going on beyond that is was just is inherently fascinating it's something I run through my head more often than not and and it's just like well that could be part of a story too um I think in a lot of cosmic horror the earth just isn't important uh humans aren't important and I think here the worm kind of point of view is like, well, humans aren't, but Earth can be. Um, you can you can do a lot with the Earth that has nothing to do with humans. Um, I think I lost the scope of the question a little bit, but just um, just the the idea of these um, these enormous changes, you know, involving Pangea and if I'm pronouncing that right and um, you know, just the idea that that the these big things could be happening around us. Um, I, I really lost the scope of the question. <laughs> no, that's a that that was perfect, and it was my um, fault. Cause, like I always ask a question and just ramble. So no, no, it wasn't yeah, go ahead, you. Shane. <laughs> <laughs> huh? It was just I, okay. I just I'm just fascinated by the eras of our past, and that's really what informed a lot of this a lot of the story, just Earth's Earth's history. Uh, yeah, and that's. I, I share that passion. I'm fascinated with it. I go to sleep to two documentary series and things on archaeology and, you know, <laughs> paleontology and stuff because it's just a it's a passion of mine. Um, not because because of the very thing you said that, you know, it's really over the scope of time and the scope of geological history. It's not about us at all. And we're barely even a fucking blink, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I lost the thread now too. So look, <laughs> we can go there together. <laughs> well, as soon as you find it again, just jump in. <laughs> um, I was gonna kind of keep going with the with the cosmic horror thought. So that I I is I had I had read some Lovecraft, but I actually never really made the connection with cosmic horror. I had no idea, you know, what it was, and I, I got asked what it meant to me, and I just said tentacles and. You know, that was pretty, pretty true for a long time. Um, so I was interested, is cosmic horror something that you have read a lot of and had much of an opinion of? Or did it maybe come more around the way that this story was built that way and you kind of melded that, you know, into your own form of cosmic horror? Um, I'm not actually sure. I mean, I've read a lot of cosmic horror and in the past, my I've kind of stayed away from writing it. Because I'm just like, well, I like being surprised when I read this stuff. I like I like when these like 
great concepts occur. I love seeing the imagination when I'm reading like a Caitlin Kiernan story or Brian Hodge or, you know, Laird Barron, or it's just, there's all kinds of ideas that, that move through. And, um, it's kind of just been one of those things had been one of those things where I was like, I'm going to leave that to others. But then, yeah, this, um, this, this, mythos started to form and I, I didn't really plan on it being cosmic horror it just kind of it was and um you know the 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 scope um the fact that like the worm comes from the stars and such is this thing that is clearly not completely understood by the characters even as they pretend to really well understand it um you know, that stuff is just like, well, those are all elements of Cosmic Car. Is Cosmic Car? We had, Sam and I had a discussion. It's like, so how are we like pitching this as like kind of a dark sci fi? And it's like, Cosmic Car is like, oh, yes, Cosmic Car, perfect. Because um, it is. And um, I think that relates both on just the sense of what the cult is about and also just unfortunately how the society treats. The, you know, Monique and some of the other characters as just like, you know, on this ex- disposable on an existential level. Yeah, that that was really striking, too, especially just some of the lines, you know, that she notices, like, I think that's and I don't have a lot of experience, you know, uh, doing like deep research into cults, but it does seem to be kind of uh, a running thread. It's like, oh, you deserve better than what you have. Yes. And, absolutely. you know, Monique is noticing like, I, you know, I would kill for like a tenth of what you have. And and the, you know, just the the lack of any kind of empathy there um, yeah. to see that, you know, they shouldn't. The, why are you focusing on this this cosmic thing you don't understand when there are, you know, people here on this planet who would greatly benefit from like just a little bit of your health? And it just I mean, it just really shows you know, their, their eyes trained on the wrong place. So I thought that was really effective. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that, the, the cosmic thing too is, I mean, it's cosmic horror, but it's not self-consciously cosmic horror. It just is kind of naturally kind of like, um, Barker's work was, had a cosmic feel to it but it was not self-consciously or even initially intentionally cosmic horror it was just what he wrote you know and that's kind of how this feels too um and i just keep losing my thread so i'll just (laughs) shut the hell up it's because we're trying to avoid the ink heist, um, uncomfortable silence moments. So we just kind of spiral a little bit. But no, like, uh, like Shane's, like Shane said, um, I think that's what made this uh, work a lot for me, you know, as a reader, like he said, it kind of just develops naturally. It's not, you know, self-consciously cosmic horror. And I always think that those ones that kind of develop in that way, they always kind of, they always kind of uh, like feel more real, I guess. Like even the world you've created, you know, in a novella form, it's so expansive. And like, it was some of the like coolest imagery that, you know, I've seen. And I like how, you know, going back to your earlier point that, you know, you were able to, 
without giving anything away, you were kind of able to take some of those concepts and like, you know, it still has that cosmic horror feel, but you were able to blend it, you know, kind of with earth and things that are familiar to us. Yeah. Um, it was, I think it's important not to get completely focused on the mythos or the cosmic horror elements. We've, we've seen that done a million times, you know, like 90 years ago. Um, you know, we, it, it, it needs to be part of the characters. Like it needs to be about their journeys and such. And if they brush up against, you know, the residue of some, you know, horrible thing from outer space, or if they get completely involved in it through the course of their own uh, journey, as happens with Monique, then, you know, that that's what we're focusing on. We're focusing on what that character is going through. Yeah, and it's one of the things that I really noted about this. And Rich, if you want to make a, a timestamp, just in case, Haley, if you decide this is into spoiler territory, we'll cut it out. Um, sure. But what one of the notes that I made that was just really like was so effective, I felt like, was how much this was focused more on not on the cosmic thing itself, not on the audacity of that and the largeness of it and, you know, all of that, but on what was left behind with every interaction. And, you know, I've, I just felt like that focus in on that was just what made it so much more, just brought you more into the story. Yeah. Um, the, I think that's, I think that's one of the important parts for me with um, writing some of this stuff is what's left behind because um, I think I've said elsewhere, somewhere that I kind of, each each of these novellas that I've written, I've approached it as a ghost story. So even though like T-Pong is an exorcism story, it's also a ghost story. And Benny Rose is a slasher. It's also a ghost story. And here this is a cosmic horror story. But I also told it as a ghost story because I think that's so essential to horror is this sense of tragedy of things or people or you know, whatever else getting discarded, um, being, being treated as if they don't matter people that, or that people don't care, um, is just one element. That's the cosmic horror element, but just the, the, the fact that they are people, that there are fragments and they just kind of fall through cracks or, um, is, is the part that makes it haunting. Um, you know, the empty place is just is just one element is just like this of this absence. But there's all the people there, are, you know, things that Monique encounters, um, just this constant sense of like there are big things moving and you're just stuck in the footprints. Absolutely. It's, I might it's have just, rambled a little there. <laughs> no, no, you you didn't. And I just I didn't want to cut you off. But I also didn't want to just be like, God, I just like fully agree. But it, but I mean, it's true. It's it's just I, you know, I keep. I keep kind of referring back to the Tim, Tim Wagoner writing in the dark book, but like, you know, it was just, it was really um, a good focus for, for me to read and you know, that it, that it's not, it's not about the monster as much as it is, as it is about your characters reacting Absolutely. to it, you know? And I felt like that was just extremely effectively used, you know, in this story as, as in all of yours. Um, 
but yeah, because there, because there is, it's almost like the, with the cosmic stuff, it's almost too big to take in most of the time. So, you know, focusing in more on, on the micro aspects of it, of the reaction of the reflection, you know, down below, it's just, it's, it is very haunting. And that's interesting. I, I didn't, I don't think I had heard that, that you wrote them as a ghost story. I, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's just, and I won't say I do that every, I'm doing that with every project, definitely like the novel next year is not written that way. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but um, for these, for the novellas, definitely, um, it just, shoot, I was going to say something else. Uh, crap. Um, oh, yes. Um, you know, there's, it, this, the concepts being too big is just like, you know, if you hear that, you know, what, what, what lady is explaining pretty early in the book is just like, well, things are one way on earth. And then they were completely different way. It's just like, okay. Um, I'm not even, like, if you heard that and it was like, let's say you just believed in me. It's like, well, I'm not even sure how to take that in because it's like, um, you know, what, what do you do with that? Like, how does that even affect your life? And it's like, well, it's going to. <laughs> yeah. Which is, Lady was, I think she was a very effective character for, for what I believe her role was to be. <laughs> well, it was funny. Cause like, you know, when it came time to, to write her, I was just like, I don't see, I just don't see these cultists as being like what you see in a lot of um, media where you see a cult and they're like wearing the the robes and they're all like, being very stoic and stuff. And it's just like, no, she's happy to be here. Like she's excited. She's like, Oh my God, this is the best thing. Um, uh, maybe I put a little of my personality into her, um, <laughs> but it just, it just made sense to me. It's just like, you know, somebody like somebody hears that, like, Oh, we're part of this. Like, no, you, you, you know, you were, you were lost, but now you're found like there's this, there's a big plan and you can be part of it. It's just, you know, somebody who's doing this isn't going to be chanting in, in Latin or making like creepy sigils stuff. She's going to be just thrilled, like just um, constantly, practically, almost like it's just this this endless high, um, which doesn't make any of them any less dangerous. But it may even make them more dangerous, at least for, for if I was writing. I, I was just like, if they were all walking around just being completely stoic and stuff, I'd just be like... I, th- I feel like Monique would have had an easier time than than she does in the book dealing with them. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's tough to be enthusiasm. <laughs> it is. And it's tough not to be sort of um, uh, I can't think of the word, but but um, calmed by it, I guess, and sort of lulled into, you know, feeling like maybe you're not dealing with something as dangerous as you really are. Right. Like she even says to Karina, she's like, well, you know, they're a little eccentric, but what's the big deal? Until she discovers what the big deal is. (laughs) Exactly what the big deal is. Yeah. Yeah. But but I, I mean, I think that also just adds a lot of realism to it, because I think you're right. That is one thing that I think can be hard to capture with cults is in particular for people who are coming in uh, new to it. If everyone's suffering you're only going to be drawing of you you really have to make a case for why this person would stay, you know, why anyone would be attracted to it. 
Um, right. There has yeah. to be kind of a joined, almost its own mythology of suffering. It's like, no, you've been treated wrong, but if you come with us, look how happy we are together in our, like, you know, we, we can face this together. And it's like, all right, camaraderie. Yeah, <laughs> which is, which, I mean, which is partic- a great thing, except when it's, you know, malformed and abused. Yeah. And and I can see why it would be in particular sort of enticing to people who didn't, you know, who had lost their families or who were, you know, isolated in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I think I mean, I think you're right. I think it is more dangerous. I think it's more insidious. Yeah. Rachel, are you still there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm still here. I just, I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to like uh, cut anybody off or anything like that. <laughs> no, you're good. I just, I know that I have a tendency to sort of like take over when I, when I get excited. So I'll, I'll let you talk. Oh no, it's all good. And um, I hope you don't mind, but, but um, I just wanted to switch gears just for a tiny minute. Um, you know, um, I saw that you were guest editing um, an issue of Planet Scum magazine. I think it's uh, issue 11. And I'm not entirely sure. So you can correct me if I'm wrong. But I think this might be like the first time you kind of did like a sort of editing thing. And I was just curious, um, you know, how that came about and what what has the experience? I don't know if the um, issue's complete yet, um, but I was just wondering what the experience was like for you and um, if there was anything you kind of took from that experience, you know, that might have helped you with, you know, your own work that you've been working on. Um, unfortunately, we're still early in that, so I haven't actually had a lot of experience with it yet. Um, our submissions are still open for another month. Um so, like, we have barely scraped the top of that. Um, so, like, the the whole, like, the really hard stuff of, mm-hmm. like, sifting through. Because, like, by the end, I, and I tell this to people who, who've had, you know, they're, they're upset about a rejection. It's just, like, you know, if your story's been held to the end, they probably wanted to publish it. And it's just that they, they, they had to pick and choose. Like, by the, by, if a submission went mm-hmm. well... And by the end of the submission call, you're unfortunately rejecting stories that you that you love. Um, it came about just I, I've been I've had stories in Planet Scum multiple times and it just um, conversations kind of evolved in that direction. Um, ask me that question next year. Which is which is still too early in the in the actual editing process. Gotcha. Yeah, I was I was just curious because I always found that kind of fascinating. Um, and I was going to ask you kind of how you uh, how you got to guest edit the issue, but you kind of answered that by saying you had yeah. written. A it is my first time on. editing anything, though. So, yeah, are you kind of excited to kind of see what that process is like? I'm excited and nervous. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting. Um, it's, it's a lot of, uh, it's going to be a lot of reading and decision-making and, um, like I'm already, I'm, I'm already dreading having this sound out rejections, even though I haven't, like, there's been no decisions about that yet. Um, because I'm just like, well, I, I'm sure there are no editors who get a thrill out of doing that. I, I would hope at least. Um, yeah. 
But at the same time, that means that you also get to send out acceptances, which is going to make, you know, each time you do that, it's going to make somebody's day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't see myself doing that job. <laughs> I think it, I, think it <laughs> I, I can't hear Laurel. I couldn't hear her either. Did we lose Laurel? Can you hear me at all now? A little bit. A little bit. Well, ignore me and keep talking. I can hear you guys. I'll work on my mic. All right. (laughs) So we're supposed to ignore Laurel from now on, Rich. So (laughs) new rule. (laughs) Um. Sorry, I'm uh, I'm struggling a little bit with the distraction issue, but um. I had to step off for a minute, so if this has been covered, I apologize, but um, Laurel mentioned earlier about some work that uh, you had upcoming that we could talk some about. Sure. And I want to I know what the skinny is on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I've got, I've, I have several short stories coming out uh, next year. Um, some have been announced, some haven't, um, trying to think I'll have a story in, uh, campfire macabre, um, uh, bone soup magazine, twisted anatomy. Um, the, there's an anthology called the wild hunt. I'll have a, have a fantasy story in there. Um, a couple issues of dark matter magazine, um, some other stuff that hasn't been announced yet. Um, and then in probably in spring, the seventh terrace will be releasing my first short story collection, Unfortunate Elements of My Anatomy, which um, will have an introduction by Laurel. Oh, right on. <laughs> awesome. And then later in the year, uh, Rooster Republic will be releasing my first novel, Queen of Teeth. Oh, yeah, I saw something about that. I think you said something about that. That is exciting mm-hmm. as hell. Um, they're, a, they're a favorite press of mine. Oh, they're awesome. I think uh, Sarah Tantlinger is over there, too, isn't she? An yes. Over there? Yeah, she rocks. Uh, yeah, her. she edited Not All Monsters, and then she's, uh, I think all of her poetry uh, collections have come out of there out of uh, strange house books right um i had no idea where i was leading with that just you mentioned that book and i was like oh yeah i'm i'm totally fucking stoked about that one or more haley fandom for you yeah yeah same here i'm i'm excited about it too and I, I don't mean to get too off topic, but Shane, Rooster Republic, was that, that uh, did they do that Nicholas Day book, Grind Your Bones to Dust, or is that a different publisher? Uh, no, that's that was, Nick Nick Day is one of the, or was, I think he still is one of, one of the heads of Rooster Republic. Okay. That one was that, Obsession Press. Yes. Okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, but he's the author, right. so. Um, yeah I sorry hear, i can hear you again laurel okay. yeah 
Ignoring Laurel made us go in all kinds of directions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're like loose threads without you, Laurel. Um, which should scare the whole fucking world. <laughs> you no, know, I'm not really that reliable, so really hoping no one's counting too much on me. But uh. well, and and yeah, I won't I will not say too much about the short story collection. Um, you know, because I think a lot of them quite a few are new pieces and and then also some of them, you know, have just been kind of collected that probably people haven't read all of them, but it's, it is, it's a beautiful collection and it's really, um, I, when I, you know, I always hesitate to say like, I feel like you're the, the queen of short fiction because then I feel like that also like knocks out, you know, any of your longer stuff. Um, but I, I just, I, you're, you know, your, your ability to put, to put stuff into short fiction and, and to like winnow that down. Like, I just feel like, I feel like that's something that, that could be like, you could teach a class on it, you know? Um, so I, is that, did you, did you kind of start with short fiction usually? Um, or was that something that, did you just kind of do it all at the same time or? Um, when I was younger, I kind of just worked on novels which was good because, I mean, they were terrible, but, you know, it taught me a lot. Um, after I had a period of depression for a while where I didn't work on stuff as much. And when I came back to writing, I did start with short stories again. And at that point, I it was funny because I am um, I really fell in love with them. Um, they're they're such an amazing form of storytelling. Um, the way the different ways you can approach an idea, the ways you can kind of sidle up to it or just like, you know, you can tell an entire life story in a flash fiction or you can have a, you know, 5000 word story that is just it's just a moment. Um, and there's and you or and you can flip those situations. It, there's so much there's so much you can do with a short story. Um, and and it lets you have the freedom to explore things that possibly couldn't maybe couldn't hold up a novella or a novel um you know concepts or characters that you just you know 20 pages and you're good two pages and you're good um so like I wrote two books this year um The Worm and His Kings and then Queen of Teeth and as I loved working on them and they were great experiences and I also you know they fought me a bunch too but um I, at points I missed working on short stories and, and, you know, I, between the two books, I like, I spent a month or two just kind of working on short stories. And then after queen of teeth, I had to kind of take a little break from things, but then I was just like, I'm just going to spend the rest of the year working on short stories. And I was just doing them and doing them. And, and then as you know, Laurel, I, I kind of ended up breaking that, that <laughs> decision this month. Um, with starting to work on another book because I'm I don't know what's wrong with me <laughs> um but no I love I love short fiction like I'm already like I'm I'm getting far enough along in this I'm like okay 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 once I get done with this I can write another short story it's just like they're, they're addicting they are that's funny it's like a little reward okay I gotta finish this part and then I'm gonna veer off in this other direction and write these other <laughs> Um, is that, well, because you, I think when we talked before, do you, do you tend to like write like a short story, a session when you write or, uh, um, I mean, 
When I sit down to write a short story, I usually already have a bunch of ideas. I'll usually have like a zero draft or and, and that'll have started from like a sentence or a character idea or a conversation or a concept. And I'll have let it grow for a bit before I actually sit down to write the story. But there's usually enough that I have to work with that I can do stuff through the day. And I, I do like to write the first draft in one sitting. Yeah, if that answered the question. I'm not sure if it did. Yeah, yeah. no, it did. <laughs> it did, and part of it is is kind of well, and um, I so I you you write every morning, is that right? You write pretty yes. early. Um, and yes. how long of a session do you usually do? Um, if it's a weekday, um, it's probably only going to be a couple hours. On a weekend, it'll be um probably six hours or more. I try not to do more than that. I think going past six hours can be unhealthy. Yeah. At least that's been my experience. There was one day I was just like, like, um, like this is a long, short story, but I'm just doing it. I'm doing it. I'm like, I'm not going to take a break. I'm just going to write the whole draft. And it ended, it came out really well. I knew I'd still have to rewrite and revise a bunch of it, but as it came out really well, but I'd been on the computer for like 10 hours straight and I felt oh terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Haley uh, writes so early that she's usually up about four hours before I go to bed, Lord. <laughs> I've seen that with you. You're, you'll be on Twitter and like you'll be just you'll be signing out as I'm like I'm like about just doing a quick Twitter Twitter scrawl before I start writing and like Cassie Daly will be on there too and it's just like you guys need to go to bed yeah us, us, us west coasters are fucking psychos <laughs> but it's That's, it was oh sorry shane i keep talking go ahead. no no i i was going to say something totally meanless meaningless so go for it i love meaningless stuff just no it was just that just that cassie is another good friend another good person oh yeah I'm, yeah. well, I'm glad I feel like we cover all of the shifts on Twitter, like between yeah, all we of us, we've got, you know, we kind of got an eye on it the whole time. <laughs> Laurel and I have a, Laurel and I have a passing joke where I'll say your shift high tower, I'm clocking out and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it has been actually out uh, this, uh, this is kind of like partly you and partly Jonathan Jans. Um, I got really so like the, it used to be for the longest time, the only time I really worked was on weekends during my son's nap time. And um, I would just bang out as much as I could, you know, during those like two stretches and it'd be like an hour and a half to two hours and maybe he'd sleep and maybe he would babble the whole time, which was super fun. Um, and, and then he just, he will nap a little bit now, but he kind of gave up napping and I was like devastated <laughs> because I was like, well, that's, that's my writing career. I'll see you guys when he's in kindergarten. I don't, I don't know what to say, you know? Um, but I, I kind of, I would, you know, log on and see that you had been writing and I know Jonathan talks about just basically multitasking everything and just squeezing it in. And it was like, it seemed daunting, but now I've kind of managed to wiggle in some time at the beginning of the day and some at the end. And I actually really love this. And I get why you, you know, you do these sessions every day because it's like, you just stay so in it. You don't have to spend so much time reconnecting with it. Oh, definitely. I am. I, 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 I used to have that thing where you kind of sit down and it's like, okay, now what do I do? Um, but no, it, it being a habit makes it a lot easier, at least 
at least for me, like I, I do think that the whole like write every day is a per person thing, not just in like whether you have the time, but whether you should take the time because each person's um, like each person is different. And, you know, I know some I know some people who just like they don't write. They write nothing for a couple months and then they they just like a marathons for a couple months and then they and they don't write another couple months and it's just like that is just as valid as writing every day um you know writing is a matter of whether you do it or not um but it's not you know it shouldn't be dictated by a particular rule i think i think anytime somebody makes a generalization is is like well i figured out what works and it's like well you figured out what works for you not for everybody (laughs) um so i i really think it's a matter of like what you're comfortable if you can find where you're comfortable with like if you're if you're upset, you're not writing more. It's like, is it because somebody told you you should be upset or is it because you actually are? So I'm, I'm glad you're able to get more of that time because it does help you get a rhythm going. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I just I do think it's per person. So it's as long as you're happy with how things are going, then 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 it's going right. Yeah, yeah. Like, is my perspective. It's like if I were to tell everybody, hey, this is what this is what works um, every writer in the world would be writing from midnight to 6 a.m. You know? <laughs> and then we'd all be just as fucking crazy as I am. <laughs> I mean, and, imagine, yeah, just just like somebody's like, well, I uh, I go for a 10 mile run and then I start writing. It's just <laughs> like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly, suddenly every other writer in the world just quits. <laughs> <laughs> Um, takes long breaks when their knees give out and all of that yeah (laughs) (laughs) well and i think that's i think that's also Haley, a really good distinction to make in particular because some of the things and you know i i think we've you know shared memes about this and and that kind of thing but like sort of this beating up on ourselves idea because like oh i'm locked in the house for a pandemic why didn't i just write the great american novel in two weeks you know um this idea that, you know, we're all supposed to be bearing down and, and really just being incredibly creative at this time when things are, you know, incredibly stressful. Right. And also, you know, seeing people like uh, Lydian, Lydian Faust, who I really like, you know, she has her, her baby's like a year old and it's like, she just hasn't really had time to get back to it. And the idea that you should be beating up on yourself for that, it's like, it's, you know, some of it's just seasons of life. Like you want it, it'll be there when you get back to it. But nobody should be beating themselves up for just surviving right now. Absolutely. I mean, like it's, it's, it's unfair to, for anyone to have like to be expecting themselves to be productive at what is probably one of the most traumatic events, uh, definitely globally, but like, you know, per possibly per person within their lifetime. Um, it's just, it's just, Yeah. And like I had, I had a period this this year where I couldn't I couldn't write, um, and it was it was upsetting. Less, but I, I I made sure not to be beating myself up over it. It was really just because I I genuinely enjoy writing. Like it's it is fun for me, and I was sad that I couldn't do that in the same way that I was, you know, sad that I don't know that we can't we can't do some of the things we we want to do this year. Um, but it's not it no one should feel guilty about that at all agreed no. 
Yeah, which is good because well, my creativity is so fucking ADHD driven right now. I've got like 40 projects going and I'm not getting anything done, but I've just decided fuck it, you know. When if my if my life drops back to normal and I can get into some better focus, then I will and in the meantime, I'll just write it for a while. Embrace my alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> There it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I keep like hesitating because I have all these notes specifically on on Worm, but every time I read it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so going to be a spoiler. Because I, I feel like this is one where, you know, yeah. you can definitely talk around some of the concepts of it, but I, I, some of the lines and concepts that really hit me, like I was actually thinking I, you should really go back on Cursed Morsels and do like a serious spoilery breakdown of this with Eric. I think yeah. that would be fantastic. Yeah, it would. Um, um, yeah, maybe maybe sometime next year that could happen. Because right now I, I feel bad that people have been waiting for theirs to arrive. But I'm also in the same boat because I've just like I've got books where I'm just like checking the mail yeah. each day. It's like, where mm-hmm. is it? I've got books coming to me even the USPS doesn't know where the fuck they are (laughs) it's stressful to me though I mean most people yeah well they'll get here when they get here I'm like every half hour on the hour checking the fucking USPS tracking site (laughs) did you find it yet fuckers I'm as obsessive with my email and that doesn't even make any sense because none of the things I've submitted to are due to even be making decisions anytime soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, my my the, my mouse finger for that refresh button is <laughs> worn to shreds after this past week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also want to, I, I mean, you guys are totally aware that Haley has completely made it now, right? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, because yeah, she, she was featured on the Midnight Society. Oh, I know. I saw that. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is... Uh, <laughs> that was... If, if if I was ever going to be on it, that was the conversation I wanted to be on it for. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Um, Clive Barker is definitely, like, one of my earliest, like, influences of just, like, how dis how distinct you can be and that was always like yeah let's get fucking weird and um you know when i was when i was younger and you know and that's a lesson i carry to this day so so when i see that it's just like yeah like we're gonna make it interdimensionally gay and i'm just and them writing writing me and there's like this is good and it's just like that is how i feel except with exclamation points right right well yeah um and it's you know, I know that some people think of it as a touchy subject, but on the on that subject, um, more there are more and more and more um, out people in the queer community who are also writers. Um, yes. And uh, not to stereotype, that's not why I'm bringing that up, but um, they also are universally so far that I've read. Um, fucking phenomenal creators and some of our some of our most brilliant imaginations in the field you know so um do you think that we're making positive changes there yet or do you think we still have i know we have a long fucking way to go 
Yeah, we have a long way to go um, in the sense that there's still, I think, I think in terms of books, things are getting, uh, going a little further. Um, definitely publishers are open to more, more genre books because for a long time, the only, the only queer books you could get are like what it felt like to come out of the closet and, yeah. um, things like that. And I'm just like, well, we, we as a society are evolving way past, like definitely the queer community is over that. And I would say that a lot of um, perspective in those works comes from having been in the closet. Um, that definitely colors your worldview considerably. It, you know, it is isolating. It makes you wonder who else is like feeling that way and um and makes kind of keeps you in check as far as you know getting how you may not know the whole story about someone else because someone else doesn't know the whole story about you yeah um and i do try to apply that to my my work i i i can't seem to help it i've 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 tried to write more villainous characters sometimes it's like i i see their side and it comes through even if I don't show it in the story sometimes, even with like a horrible whatever the hell it is in like hopscotch for keeps in, in uh, the places we fear to tread anthology. Um, you know, that loneliness can sometimes make someone do terrible things. Um, but uh, that got off track there. Um, but But lately there has been more genre stuff for that, but, I, I do notice with some, sometimes with markets, it is difficult um, not to, I'm not going to name names or titles, but there was a magazine earlier this year that had a controversial uh, queer story that ended up being removed. And things like that happening, um, unfortunately, have a ripple effect because um, already a lot of markets are nervous about what they put in and how it will affect their audience, their readership, their numbers. And so when a situation like what happened earlier this year happens and they also get on the bad side of a lot of people in the queer community or for one reason or another, whether it's because it was published or because it was taken down, um, it just kind of sends a message to them. It's just like, well, it'd be better for us not to, publish anything of that nature at all because we don't know what's right or wrong and it's like well one thing you could do is hire queer editors that would definitely at least yeah. give you some better perspective <laughs> I, I think but another thing is like i have received feedback in the past um i don't want to say stuff like that because at the, the what if i if i talk about it wrong the lesson that people hear from it is like okay got it do not do personalized rejections but i've had stuff where it's like well does this character have to be gay? Does this character have to be trans? Like, does the story really need this? And I'm like, well, why does the story need them to be, you know, need them to be straight? Um, yeah. But I don't respond to that stuff because that's, un to me, it's unprofessional to respond to a rejection. Um, so, but but nonetheless, it's just like, well, I'm, I can't be the only person who's gotten that question in response to stuff. Um so I'm, I'm sure it happens a lot. I'm sure it happens silently where it's just, you know, and sometimes there's just 
unfortunately, I hate to say it, but unfortunately, there's a lot of people who, as much as they want to support gay rights and, you know, they want to support Pride Month and stuff, still feel feel that queer people are gross or immoral or some, uh, you know, any one of those nonsensical things. Um, so, yeah, we still have a long way to go, but we're definitely making progress. This is uh, me trying to put a silver lining on that little <laughs> little bit of grim. <laughs> I mean, it's really all of that is it's reasonable to feel kind of grim about that. It's reasonable to feel, you know, like I think that I, I mean, I'm with you. I would never respond to a rejection, but I do think that it would be, you know, it is a fair response. Like, well, why do they have to be straight? You know, I mean, like what, why does that, why on earth does that affect how you feel about this story? It's just people. Right. You know, and, why and why the world is that is considered default? Yeah. And kind of, it's kind of weird that people actually, for me, it's weird that people actually make a conscious determination about what gender a character is and how they identify and whatnot, because that doesn't happen for me. My characters just identify themselves to me. Yeah, so yes. I have not made a conscious decision to create a male or a female character, a non-binary character, but, you know, so far, pretty much they're, they're all women or queers of some sort, you know, and it's just, mm-hmm. just what they wanted to be, so. Right. <laughs> uh, no, I feel the same way. Um, it's, it's a matter of inclination. I've, I've had it in the past where I was just, I was just writing the story, writing the characters, like, oh, I didn't realize this character was trans or, oh, I didn't realize this character like had two dads or whatever. But it just kind of came out because I, I think just because of subconscious worldview, I mean, if if it's normal to you, you're going to just end up writing it and and you, you kind of can't help it. It would feel wrong to change it to the otherwise. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you there. I And I mean, to the point that I don't think I could change it to be otherwise, you know? Oh, no way. I, I never have. I, I, I will say that I did reduce it like, uh, uh, pong uh, the possession of Allie Glasgow. Margaret is, is gay, but it's only referenced in one paragraph and subtly because I removed the other paragraphs because back then I was just, you know, I was just getting started and I was like, I don't know what the reception of this is going to be. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and I got, I got scared. Um, yeah. I'm definitely not that way anymore with it. Um, it's, 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 I'm deaf. I'm, I'm this, you know, the response to the worm and his Kings has been lovely. I'm very, I'm very pleased to see people excited about, you know, uh, something that's unabashedly, unquestionably queer. I mean, even with Benny Rose, you know, uh, Desiree is gay, but it really only, it only comes up a few times and it's not like, it's not, it's not like it's mentioned on the back cover text right. or anything. Um, and which is also good. I mean, it can be incidental and a lot of people are closeted and that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and nothing wrong with portraying that. Um, but this, in this case, it was just like, nope, we're just out here, and Queen of Teeth is even more so. Um, and and I'd say a lot, of, probably more than half the stories in the collection as well. Um, and Laurel can correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe um, it feels it feels like most of it has that sensibility at least. Yeah, I I think so. But it's also it was one of the things, especially seeing it all collected at once. It's like I don't, I don't know. It's, 
it's not that you don't notice that it's just like, it really helps you get, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I feel, I feel like I'm not like expressing myself well, except that it, I mean, it makes, it makes horror gay as fuck. It's awesome. (laughs) You know, and I, and I think it's something you always give me a lot to think about on these things, you know? And um, I do think that as, as you've mentioned, you know, in the past, like, making it incidental, making it to where, again, it's just not a big fucking deal. Like, it's just, why is that even a question that's being asked? You know, if it comes up, it's because it's part of the story. And it would be great if we could learn to not make assumptions about that. Um, But yeah, I mean, just it's, it's part of what makes reading diversely and really pushing that uh, and publishing diversely something that, that is, is so necessary because, you know, like you said, you're going to write from your world, from your worldview, that's going to, that is what is going to feel the most authentic. And that's why we need so many different worldviews. Absolutely. Um, I, I read, um, my, hold on, I want to go back to another one thing, um, with the short stories is like, yeah, cause like you can have one where like, um, one of the stories that's going to be in the collection is it's, I'm not a chainsaw kind of girl, but, and like she mentions very casually at one point, um, something that indicates she's bisexual. Um, but it's not really part and parcel of the story. It's just, it is incidental. And then you have something like the burning of the blueberries where the whole, uh, function of the story is because, you know, the main character is a trans man who feels isolated. Um, so it can go either way. It can be, it can be big or small. And then with what you're saying about, um, you know, voices and stuff, um, I just had read White is for Witching um, by Helen Oyoyemi. And it was like, I, I read through that and I was just like, nobody else could have written this book. Um, it, it, it was, it's so, um, its way of portraying generational racism is so beyond anything I would have conceived um, as, as a white person. And I was just like this. It 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 was just it was just stunning um, to 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 watch how this was unfolding in this in this completely different way than I could have conceived of. So that's, more of that, please. Yes. Yeah. That's that's one I need to read. Um, and I was you know when you were talking about that I was thinking about uh, one of my favorite po- poets is uh, Bianca ex and her it was one of those things when we were all doing you know um oh gosh well oh, book talk I guess and we were reading from each other's books and things oh, like yeah, that. I remember that yeah I I really wanted to read some of her poetry because it's really beautiful it's not horror so it's not I don't think really anybody in this community is familiar with it but it's it's gorgeous and you know there are a lot of just but in reading it I was like I these are not my work in particular with poetry I felt like these, you know, I felt like it was almost like stealing words or something because it, it was like it was just so personal and so onto that part of it. And just I mean, it, you know, it spoke to being a woman and it spoke to being a black woman and it spoke to being specifically the kind of black woman that she is, you know, and it's just I don't know. It's it's absolutely fantastic. And, yeah, I, I, I want more of that. I yeah, want different what, voices. What she is is an amazing fucking black woman who can write her ass off. Um Laurel made her an idol of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for that interruption, but I had to. (laughs) 
I I had a similar experience. Um, I was reading um, Into the Forest and All the Way Through um, by Sina Paleo. And there was a poem. I was going to do a book talk of one of the poems, but I was so immersed in how most of these women who are disappearing are women of color or girls of color. And and it was so immersed in Chicago and stuff that I was just like, I felt I, I wanted to so badly because it was so beautiful, but I also felt like this this isn't mine to do this with. Yeah, yeah, because it feels like you know you want to you want to respect it and you want to slap everyone in the face with it to make sure that they right. read it. Yeah, know? it's like here, just just read it. Here, take it, read it. <laughs> well, so, on that's, oh, sorry, go ahead, Shane. No, go ahead. No. No, God damn it. Well, I was just, I was I was just gonna out us and say I think I'm gonna screenshot this conversation we just had on Discord and send it to Haley after we're done. <laughs> just so she knows what incredible freaking crazy fans we really are. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> wait wait till after we're done though, because you know, yes. you and oh, I I'm not going to look at my phone while I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, kind of on the subject of books that we want to shoot out of a cannon at people, um, is there anything <laughs> that you've been reading lately that you uh, that you want to recommend or talk about? Uh, sure. Um, I just made myself finish uh, Woman by uh, Ash Watson. I say made as if like that sounds like a negative. It's like. No, I've been dragging it out for months because um, waking up to those poems has been just has been something to lean on emotionally for the last few months of 2020. Um, And we all need something like that. Um, Shoot, what did I just finish? My brain is blanking. Um, Something that's coming out in a a couple days is um, The Wingspan of Severed Hands by Joanna Koch. Yeah. Um, is Cosmic Horror also, and um, they they had sent me the book a while ago. I was one of the I, I'd read it early, and um, it's just a phenomenal book. Um, just like uh, approaching different time periods and um, dealing with this this young girl who's having to deal with her abusive mother and this relationship stuff while also dealing with these scientists who are trying to save the world and and figure out this these equations to how that might be possible and it it all ties together it's all part of this incredible um just time twisty mind bendy situation um that's definitely a book that people should should check out uh, yeah, my copy just arrived this, week. this weekend. Yep. Yeah. It's a gorgeous uh, book too. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm I'm a cover fan, and it is. Oh no, it's yeah. it's beautiful. I when I read I read it before it had a cover, and I was like, this better have yellow on the cover, and it did. <laughs> so so I, I'm happy. So, so it had that, so I'm good. <laughs> Haley starts um, protest. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so that's what I've been that's what I've been checking out. Lee. I I'm in the middle I'm in the, the middle of a bunch of anthologies uh right now, so I'm not in quite in the center in the middle of like reading one big book. I oh, I know I know what I just finished. I I just finished Her Body and Other Parties 
um, by Machado. I I had read The Husband Stitch a while ago, but I'd never actually sat and read the entire thing. I I mean, I I listened to the audiobook in this case, but oh my God, I'm going to need to buy the paperback just to have it on my shelf because, Mm -hmm. like, that's such an incredible book. Uh, Yeah, Machado is fucking incredible. Uh, I've only read probably four or five of those stories but um yeah insanely good writer yeah yeah it's it's just it's just a phenomenal i i was just i was blown away like story by story yeah i had when i went on i'm um, staring into the abyss earlier this year i was gonna I do listen one of to those... that episode that's yeah. what motivated me to get the book oh awesome yeah because it's i mean it, you know i decided to do from that book and then i was going back and forth with richard uh, about you know which one to choose and I'm like but this no but this is also good but this and it's like he w- he was no help because like he was just like I know <laughs> every single one I know I know it's fantastic and I'm like well I guess we can't go wrong but <laughs> <laughs> well good so I, I sort of fired that out of a cannon at you that's awesome I feel good about yeah you. <laughs> <laughs> that rocks <laughs> Okay, and there's number two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, mean, I keep try, I keep like telling you guys I'm gonna let you talk, and I'm like, anyway, so I'm gonna just keep going. <laughs> I'm a bulldozer. Bring it, Laurel. <laughs> nah. <laughs> nah, you rock, Laurel. Yeah. Um, and you rock, Haley. Uh, do you have uh, other burning issues that you want to discuss with us tonight before we wrap up? Um. I don't, I'm not, I don't think so. Um, we're just all try, trying to, trying to make it to 2021 and hope it's going to be better next year. You know, right. somehow, some way. Yeah. <laughs> Laurel. No, I'm just sitting here like thinking whether New Year's Eve is like, I, I just have this image of like, you know, it turns and everything gets better, which would be nice. And you guys <laughs> oh, will have to tell so me the nice. next, you'll have to tell me the next day though. Cause I ain't staying up, but, uh, uh, you'll, you'll have to tell me the next day because I won't remember because I'll be fucking inebriated. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is part of it. Well, can you, uh, I know you're almost certainly going to tell me no, but is there anything you can tell us about uh, the book that you're working on now? Um, Probably not anything you don't already. Well, although it's funny because last time I came on Ink Heist, you guys asked me that and I was like, yeah, I'm working on some cosmic car thing. I don't want to talk about it beyond that. Um, and that ended up being the worm and its Kings. So maybe if I say what this is, then like next time I'm on here, I'll be talking about it. Um, I like that philosophy. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, it's, I'm not sure what subgenre cause um, as, as Rich mentioned earlier, I, I do like to jump subgenres and I don't want to stop doing that um a, a couple of people have asked me it's like so you're just going to do cosmic horror right now you're going to be one of one of the horror authors who just does like sticks with cosmic horror and I kind of have kind of a, like a mealy mouth reply I'm just like oh well who knows and it's like uh you know I just I really like the whole subgenre thing and just kind of like putting my own my own spin like just jumping to another subgenre and putting a spin on it and then jumping to the next so mm-hmm. queen of teeth is going to be is a is a body horror uh story um it's it uh, hopefully it's going to be very different than others um 
and then what I'm working on right now, I think the subgenre, at least from this chart I found, is called supernatural <laughs> horror. But I don't feel like that sounds accurate. It's it's in the realm of like Carrie and Scanners, you know, having like mental awesome. power stuff. Oh, very cool. Um, so, um, you know, the story is going to be in a different direction than that, but that's kind of the subgenre. So whatever that's called is what I'm working on right now. Oh, I'm already in. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also this, this chart. So do you just, are you just like marking them off as you go down? Or? No, because the chart was the chart. I, I, I was just trying to find out, like, I was like, okay, so what genre are, are Carrie and Scanners part of? Cause I wasn't getting any help. And, it's, and the, I found a chart that said supernatural horror. So I was like, all right, I guess. But now I've looked at the chart and it has like, 12 different classifications for like a slasher and like doesn't mention cosmic horror doesn't mention possession as like oh this isn't going to help me um but it did have that so i'm like okay i guess that's good unless if somebody else knows what that subgenre is with like carry and scanners and stuff tell me um before before this gets picked up by a publisher so that way i have a way to to uh market it to them better (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah because i think about that and i've never really thought like carrie and the dead zone and yeah um, yeah stories like that i don't i've never really thought of those as supernatural horror right mm-hmm. when i think of supernatural horror i think like werewolves right yeah. or ghosts or you know and i wonder if they called it supernatural because they're thinking like superpowers and i'm just like no mm-hmm. like or like fire start i guess this is the thing stephen king got into a bit um yeah yeah, like but just telekinesis what, subgenre. Or? Yeah, I don't, yeah. I've never heard of it like that. Like I'm just like there must be like I was thinking like psychic horror because um, yeah. I know that Gabino had a what I think Gabino Iglesias was in a an anthology that was like psychic horror. So I was like okay maybe that's it. But yeah, I've never heard was. somebody really say that before. So I'm like I'm not sure. But be, either way, that's what I'm working on. <laughs> that would be that's a more awesome. accurate description, I think, of this. I think so too. Yeah. You just you just made me realize though something that I hadn't ever really thought of, and that is that Firestarter is Carrie with fire instead of pig's blood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind so, of. There's a little bit of yeah. There's an age difference. There's a yeah. There's a thematic similarity. Though. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I mean, you can go and no. you can take that kind of thing because that's a character. So then. If you take a character and you're like, okay, you're going to have mental powers of somehow, you can throw them in all kinds of different situations and, um, yeah, and just go, you can just go wild with it, really. Um, yeah, it opens up a whole new, a whole new level as far as dimensionality goes in a character, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel so at least. I'm very excited about this. Terribly excited. So, all right, any, our publishers who are listening, go ahead, reach out. You know, let Haley know you're interested. Oh. I know you are. It's psych, psychic, telekinetic, supernatural horror, and you want this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. I have to finish it first. <laughs> Just sign the contract. She'll finish it later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my Absolutely. god, that would be so much pressure. Cause I, I, one of the reasons yeah. I don't like talking about stuff 
that I haven't finished yet is kind of like, well, what if it all falls apart? Because um, Benny Rose wasn't the only book I wrote in 2019. There was another haunted house novella that I wrote earlier in the year that I don't know if it's ever going to see the light of day. Um, I may try to re I'd have to go on a full, like complete overhaul, rewrite, like just kind of ignore. Cause I've tried to touch up the, the existing draft and every time I just get bogged down in what a mess it is. Um, but that one helped me write Benny better. So it did, it's not like it didn't serve a purpose. And that's the thing. That's something every writer should understand. It's just like, there's, you never waste time writing a book that didn't happen. Um, you're always, it's always making you a better writer. You're always learning things, even if you don't realize it. Um, so I might jump back to that, but, but at the same time, it's just like, okay, well, I'm really glad I didn't tell anybody about that because <laughs> then it just, you know, it's going to be two years since I wrote it soon. And I'm just like, well, it never happened. So, phew. Well, and in my realm, two years, gosh, that's nothing. You've got like another seven, eight, nine to go before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, funny. No. It's like, I've just been pushing out short stories so much because I just, I love to write them. And like, of, of the stuff I wrote last year, only like probably a third of it went to the trunk and some of it without ever being submitted anywhere. Cause I was just like, I wrote that for me. That's not going anywhere. Um, I mean, it's getting that way with books at this point. Cause like I wrote worm this year, I wrote queen of teeth this year. Now I'm writing this this year and I'm going to have to take a break to do edits on existing projects and, and a couple other things and some, some like submission invitation stuff for next year. But you know, when I come back to it, like it's just like draft, draft, draft. And it's like, okay, I, I already know what book I'm working on next. Um, this is kind of just what I'm doing right, right now. So We'll see how that goes. I don't know why I'm, just, I don't even, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, well, you're kind of in my head too. Cause I've like this, I keep thinking, I'm like, I don't want to like quit my job, like quit it. I love my job, but I would like to take a year off to not have yeah. to keep like shoving these things off and not have any idea when I'm even going to get to, you know, idea number 37 down the road. Yeah. See the mm -hmm. funny thing for me. Sorry, I'm sorry, Shana. Keep, no, keep talking to you. No, that was it. You. That was the whole of my comment. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing for me is that, um, like I've 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 talked to or listened to writers who do it full time, and I feel like there's there are some there are be absolutely benefits to being able to write full time. You get to do it all the time. That's your job. But on the other hand, sometimes it's like, well, that's also your job. Um, like you'll you'll see them kind of sometimes say like I had to pitch this to to my agent. It's like you have to get clear on some whether an idea is going to whether whether your agent or a publisher thinks an idea is going to sell in the first place before you start writing it. It's like hmm. it's kind of just like killing killing some of the ideas in the cradle, unfortunately, before seeing what they're really going to bloom into. And for me, I'm just like I enjoy the writing process of it so much that I'm just like. Well, I don't I don't want to just pitch an idea because usually my ideas change a bit as I'm writing it. Like Queen of Teeth, not to get into it too much because, you know, it's the, the synopsis hasn't even come out yet. Um, but just the main character of that was just she took the steering wheel right out of my hands and it went a completely different direction than I thought things were going. Um, to the point, like I had to rewrite chapters like three, four times just to sort things out. 
And it's just like, I wouldn't have been able to pitch that before. If I'd pitched it, if I pitched it before I wrote it, I would have been stuck on that track. But as it was, it's just like, well, this disaster of a human being, you know, imaginary disaster of a human being led me to way more interesting places uh, than I would have gone in the first place. So I don't know. I, th- I think it's a double-edged sword, I guess is my long, my long way of saying that. Yeah, I I agree, which is why I think it'd be more like fun to just, you don't even want to like have it, you know, under contract. Yeah. I just want to just have a year where I don't have any responsibilities other than all of the other ones <laughs> in my life, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, does sound take, awesome. your, <laughs> take your job out of it and you're still too fucking busy for me. <laughs> that's true that's very true you have to you have to to remove all the responsibilities just like go into a bubble that like and everything else pauses outside of the bubble that was actually the first short story that I tried to write that I didn't get very far with was kind of about that because it was like about a mother like trying to take like a weekend to go write uh, because the only way she's getting anything done and all I did was get annoyed about all the things that she had to do before she left (laughs) (laughs) now you have me me thinking about writing a story about a guy with a the conversationalist is in sign flashing above his head (laughs) i'm so i'm so glad you've gotten into writing short stories floral um like it's just been excellent to, to see to see this from you it's, it's really, I, I don't know. It's, it is so funny. Cause I, I know, like, I think you had, had uh, listened to the Langan episode when he talked about, um, you know, let playing with what your mind brings you and not constantly yes. resisting yes. it. And I was nodding of, so hard during that episode. Yes. It was so, I mean, it's just like little things like that just really stick with you. And he's a prolific um, yeah. you know, short story writer. And some of the stuff that I've written have been like goofy ass, like fantasy ideas that like ran through my head 10 years ago that I would never have even thought about writing. And then I'm like, Oh, short story. Let me go bang this out and see what happens. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's fun. It's also like, it, <laughs> it's, it's harmless too. It, in my opinion, yeah. like you can just play with it because the thing is, I think, all of the novellas and and uh, yeah, all of the novellas had a short story attempt first, and then the short story didn't work out, and they needed the novella. Tipong just caught. I mean, that started as a short story, and it just just it couldn't stay contained. There was a Benny Rose short story first um, that operated on some of the same rules of things but it was it was a bit more traditional there was like Ouija boards involved things like that but it just it didn't work and it had to become this and of course the Worminous Kings also had a short story that just didn't function so it's like you get to see whether this idea you know what it's what its form is what you know what shape it's supposed to take absolutely yeah I still think you should teach a short story workshop yeah no kidding yeah, me too. I I would have to figure out what I'm doing before I could tell anybody else. <laughs> but I mean, but really, in a way, you you can take a really really complex thought and and boil it down to something so simple as it's harmless. You know, <laughs> I mean, and that's right. There should be a fear buster for a lot of a lot of new newer writers. You know, 
Um, not that it will be. I know it won't because it didn't do shit for me, but it's really <laughs> fucking good. <laughs> the me- I, I, I get the meaning. <laughs> I, wish, I wish that could so easily be communicated because I'll, I'll see people who are, are brilliant writers and they've had short story, like for just as for example, they've had short stories published in like uh, fantasy and science fiction magazine or pseudopod, like these big, you know, well-regarded markets terrified of writing a novel. Like they, they start to do it and then they just like, what if it's not as good? And they, they just, they drop it. And I'm just like, no, just do it. Just do it. Cause like a short story is, more harmless than a, than trying to write a book, but it's still ultimately harmless. And yeah. I don't, I, I think saying mm. yes to yourself is way, is better than saying no to yourself. Um, like the, my whole, I, I don't mean to keep getting into a, a book that hasn't even come out yet, but with Queen of Teeth, that was constantly a matter of saying yes to myself because I would have some outlandish direction that things were headed in. And I was just like, uh, is that going to be a problem for people? Is that going to be, this is just like, I had a little sticky note that just said, be brave. And I just went with it. And like, I dumped my personality into that manuscript. And so it is going to be interesting next year when that actually comes out. But it's just like, you know, you have to be because you're the only you in the entire world. And so if you can put you into something, then it's not going to be like anybody else's thing. And you should no. just, Mm-hmm. Just do it. Just just do it because why not? I love that. I do too. Yeah. Very much so. Go ahead. And like I was just gonna say, just like you said about the Langan episode, like I just kept nodding the whole time you were saying that because <laughs> <laughs> you know, it yeah, it definitely it definitely sticks with me as somebody who's you know, just recently started getting back into trying those things and, you know, dealing with some of those internal doubts, you know, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't try this or whatever. So like hearing that, it definitely helps kind of, you know, like it's harmless and to just go for it, it kind of helps, you know, deal with that. And there was another thing there. Sorry, because I'll forget it. Um, And that was so a kind of a reiteration in a way of what Langan said too. I think it was Langan and that was trust your ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he, he, I feel worded it perfectly in that he, you know, he gave his elevator analogy, but also it really is just comes down to if you teach your brain to keep rejecting everything you think of, then it's just going to stop giving you things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because it's uh, the the more that I write short stories, the easier it is to come up with ideas for them. Oh God, yes. There's too much. <laughs> I haven't reached that point yet. But <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to be. I didn't mean to be on the spot weirdly, but I was just like, I was. I'm just like, I look at some of the things I've jotted down. I'm like, I'm probably never gonna write that. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but you never know. It's worth writing down. It's it's worth accepting this this present that your brain gives you. Exactly. Well, yeah, because if I because, yeah, I have like kind of a folder, you know, of just like ideas that are just like a couple of sentences or something. And I had one I had to write real quick for something and I was able to just go pull one of those, convert it a little bit and, you know, bang it out for a flash fiction. And it is. I mean, it's like it, you know, it's like a little present to yourself. (laughs) 
Okay, that's number three. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that's the signal that says it's time for us to all turn back into pumpkins and <laughs> you know. So uh, uh, yes. a record for us tonight so right <laughs> i'm sorry it's it's 10 10 p.m is usually eastern is usually my bedtime so i'm it's probably me no no, no. that's weird no, no. we just keep, i keep talking over shane it's actually because i fangirl and so like when whenever i do that i sort of end up taking over an episode because i don't share well but <laughs> uh you do, if you listen we balance out i do the same thing i stomp on you all the time so well, good. That makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an I'm honest just... relationship. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best kind. I just wanted to say thank you very much for coming yeah. on again to talk about it. It is always such a pleasure to talk to you. Oh. And, I'm, you know, your your work is, is absolutely fantastic. And I think that there is no subgenre or genre that you can't tackle and completely make your own. So I'm just I'm excited for for all the other stuff that's coming. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's It's a pleasure to be on here. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Anytime you can just say, hey, I'm coming on this Saturday and we'll make a spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, I love you, Haley. Um, give my love, love to Jay again. Of course. And uh, we'll have you back on sooner than you want to be. <laughs> I, that's not how that works. <laughs> All right, I will, I will, I will, I, I definitely plan to hopefully be on next year. Excellent, excellent, awesome. All right, have a good night. Have a good night, all. Good night, Haley. Bye. Bye. Stop!